Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. Got a loaded panel, as I think all of us are, are really missing the Serie A. Like I, I try to turn on the Premier League, everybody's drawing 1-1, it's boring as hell. I, I miss me some Calcio, Alex Dono alongside Jerry Mancini. We also have our friends Joe Fischetti from the Forza Napoli pod, our you know, one of the few Juventini we actually tolerate. Daniel Lucci is on the pod as well. And Jerry, uh, true or untrue, we basically organized this entire episode just so you could bitch and complain about Mariki. So I think that's pretty – like that, that's that's the only reason why we're even doing this episode, so that you can just complain. Um, I'm not going to complain about Mariki. I thought I, I vented enough after the Milan win. Uh, sorry, when Lazio lost against Milan, but – I'm still well, mad about that, by the way. You had one job, Jerry. Your team had one job. I, I, I didn't even care if you won. Just take, 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 get a point. Like, take a couple points away. That's all you had to do, and you give up a 90-second-minute game winner. I don't fault just Mariki for that goal. Uh, hindsight, when it happens, it looks like he's the guy to be blamed because he makes the he makes the jump a poor a poor jump, mistimed. But you can also look when you look back at it. It's even Akpa Akpro. And I forgot the other player who who was not marking someone. I, there was two other players near the post and vulnerable, left open, not picking up their man. So it's not just Mariki. It's more of his overall game. I know that he hasn't had preseason. I know he had COVID, injury. It, it's just the little things that, that really concerns me about his game. His touch, it still hasn't improved over X amount of time. Um, his shot looks very weak and, and a lot of poor decision-making. Um, loses challenges. I, I remember, and Lucci will probably vouch me on this one, there was like a Mission Impossible challenge where he went flying and he lost the, the, the he lost the challenge. And these are things that concern me. Now, I do agree with Joel that it, it, it is a small sample size. But in defense, he's gotten more playing time this season than Velan Baresha and Dennis Vavro have when they came to the team. So... He's got a lot of good looks this season compared to other players that Lazio never have even given him a chance. Um, I am willing to give this guy the benefit of the doubt over the season. I'm not convinced, as I was in the early stages where I thought this guy was the real deal. Maybe it's the fact that he came with a $20 million price tag and you're thinking that more you're you're expecting more than what you you got for like if you're gonna buy something for 20 million you're expecting the value of 20 million to come to your team and, and see immediate results right away now a team like Lazio who doesn't have a, a big budget compared to others like Juve, Milan, Inter need to be more smarter as to how they make their investments and if it doesn't work with Mariki, this can be very bad because I look at this now. We could have got a, a much better win back. I'm not, I'm not against Vadis. He's young. I, I have no issues with him yet. I know that his injury history and everything, but we could have got a, a much more advanced center uh, win back. We could have got a center back that really could have been useful to to back up, uh, what's his name, uh, Acherby and Luis Felipe. But then again, you can also say, well, you got that four striker that you were missing last year that really didn't back up Immobile. So 
it's vice versa. But I don't know. When you're spending $20 million, you want to, especially when you're allowed to, you really want to be smart of how you spend it. And this team doesn't spend money right. Valon Barisha was another one. We spent $10 million on Vavro. Freaking, we don't even play this guy. I don't know why we even bought him in the first place. It's just money thrown everywhere. It's it's frustrating. But I'm hoping that now that Correa is out for four games, at least I was reading, he could also be out for the for the derby against uh, Roma. I'm hoping that these, these next four games that Mariki is able to step up and, and really fill that spot, that void that Lazio is looking for. So this is why he was signed, to, to provide that depth up front. And hopefully he's able to, to really solidify it and, and really man it down and prove to people that why he came from Fenerbahce. I think uh, one of the most amusing things that our listeners may not know is uh, for the last several days, Jerry has just been bullied by Turkish football Twitter because he he, <laughs> yes. he dared he dared like write these angry tweets. And you were right because Mariki was brutal in that match. Like you're, you know, it, you know, you're, you're, you're you criticized him on your Twitter feed, which was well deserved. And then a bunch of Fenerbahce fans and like other Turkish fans and even like uh, people from Kosovo and Albania are like showing up in Jerry's DMs angry that he's cursing at Mariki. So I, I found that really entertaining, uh, you sending some of those because people are really, really mad. Uh, let's bring in our, our special guests. You know them both and you love them. Uh, Daniel Lucci, I see, is wearing uh, is wearing a Juventus hat. Uh, but I wanted to ask all you guys, and Lucci, I'll start with you. Did you guys get any Calcio gear for Christmas? Well, the brand new hat for sure. That's it for me. No jersey this year, but oh, I got a hat at least. Keeps my I'm head wearing, warm. What I'm wearing is a Christmas <laughs> gift. I've got a uh, Barella on. Where's your Nutella? Oh, I have the. Uh, I, I haven't finished it yet, which is amazing. It's, it's been three days, but no, I do have a. Uh, it, it's it's somewhere in the kitchen. I, I was the, the only two things I wanted for Christmas. I wanted a new jar of Nutella, and I wanted a Barella jersey, and I got both of them. I feel like I'm waiting for Lucci to talk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, thought we were, I thought we were waiting on Joe. Okay, well, I can I can jump in. Yeah, I did. I got one. It wasn't a surprise. It was one of those gifts where you kind of pre-plan. I basically told my wife to get it for me. But uh, one of the uh, the guys, uh, Gianluca from the uh, Napoli Club Toronto, he has some connections in Napoli. He, he actually played for uh, Jerry's uh, B-team, Salernitano, a little while back. And um, he knows a guy that runs one of the, the Napoli shops. And Napoli made a commemorative jersey for uh, Dries Mertens being the, the all-time uh, top scorer with a, uh, a patch that, you know, top scorer in club history or whatever. And he went to the shop to sign a bunch of jerseys. So uh, I got my wife to buy me that as my Christmas gift. We, that was probably nice. a couple months ago, but uh, it's pretty cool. It's one of those things that uh, not too many people will have, I think. That is really, really cool. So yeah. how have you guys, uh, I mean, aside from Christmas and all that, how have you, Joe, been spending? You know, the the break for Serie A, which is painful. Like it's been it's been less than a week off with no games. But I see, you know, all these English games being played in other countries. So the break has been painful. Have you been watching Premier League games and everything, or have you been have you been just laying low? Yeah, no, I've been mostly laying low. I haven't watched uh, too much EPL. I've been slowly. Normally, I watch all the Serie A games within a couple of days. I've been kind of taking it easy and watching one a day type of thing. I still got a couple uh, to go, but uh, I've been, 
you know, it's, it's kind of sad that I'll, I'll probably watch uh, Benevento Udinese over uh, the EPL. And it's nothing against the EPL. Oh, so would I. Yeah. I'm just so immersed in Serie A these days that, uh, I mean, I haven't followed it enough that, I mean, I could turn it on just for the entertainment, but I, I really wouldn't have any clue what's going on in terms of uh, positions in the table or anything like that. Fair enough. What, what about you, Luch? How have you been spending the last been several days off? a little bit of EPL, not too much. And, uh, you know, I've been getting back into trying to get some writing out now with the extra, you know, a little extra time. But it was funny. I was watching a game, I think it was either Saturday or Sunday, and it was uh, like Southampton and Fulham. And the game ended 0-0. And it's like the, the, the commentators are like, oh, such an exciting game. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Great two teams. I'm like, no one scored. But if you guys said this yeah. about, you know, if you guys, if let's say there was two Italian teams playing like Hellas Verona and, and Genoa or something, and they ended 0-0, you're telling me you'd say the same thing for Syria? I don't, they would be trashing yeah. it. So it just goes to show like the like the very two opposite, you know, when it comes to, to favoritism, when it comes to Serie A versus EPL. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it, well, I, I, I know I was going to say, I, I know I know Jerry ends up like watching the French League and, and he and he watches like a ton of different leagues. How, how have you been spending the last several days, Jerry? Um, I watched Chelsea Saturday. What a poots of a game. Boy, they've been shit lately. Is your guy Lampard on the hot seat now? I think he is. Um, you know what? I think Joel Welch. I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm very a reactionary, emotional fan. But when it comes to Lampard, I, I do get mad when when Chelsea loses. But at the most part, I'm not a Chel. I'm not a Frank Lampard out guy. Um, if 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 Allegri was locking out the door and and Chelsea had the opportunity to sign him and, and it would strike, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't be against it. But at the same time, people need to remember that Lampard, his background is one one season in Der- with Derby County, and like he, he's mm-hmm. still growing as a manager. Um, I think the right route may have been to to coach a smaller club, learn, go through the rankings like other managers have done in their career, like a Gattuso and an Inzaghi. I would say those two because they did they did their homework, they learned through the youth ranks. And they got promoted to like their their squads to Milan, to Lazio, and they understand the pressure and what they need to do for the most part as a manager. I think Lampard is really in in a difficult situation now, where last season he had freebies because they didn't have they had the transfer ban, and this season now they have all these new players that came in. They spent a shitload of money, but in defense, when you're bringing in like seven eight guys brand new. You you need time to like adjust to learn to uh, like everyone needs to like adapt with each other in order to understand what's going on. So, like I watched the game today, it, it wasn't the, the most. It's not the most exciting football. I'll be honest. Like watching Chelsea last year was much more exciting. I found I thought the EPL mm. as a whole was way better last year. Um, maybe because I was more involved and I watched it more. But I just thought chances were more from both sides, um, just more entertaining football. And, and I think the one thing that really frustrates me with Chelsea is the way they use Timo Werner mm. as a left wing. I have no freaking idea <laughs> why this guy is playing as a left wing. He should be playing as a center forward. Um, um, I, I think he's having a hard time adapting to the EPL personally. I think it's you're seeing that the Bundesliga is a, is a step behind compared to the to the Premier League and 
a guy like Werner was having his way with a lot of players in the Bundesliga, and he's not getting that kind of luxury in the EPL, and he's really playing with, with much better players, I feel personally. Um, I could be wrong. But for the most part, that's what I watched this weekend, and I and I try to catch the replays of uh, my French league. I love my <laughs> you love league that on. French league. The French league, I call yeah, the league. On. I like it, man. I, I don't mind it. It's, but um, yeah, other than that, that's that's all I've been uh, really doing. I've been writing as well, like Lucci. Duh. Well, I, I want to so something I want to go around the table on uh, since we have you know an inter supporter here, me. Jerry, the Laziale, Joe who supports Napoli, Lucci who supports uh, Juventus. Um, you know, January transfer window is going to be open, and if you want to give specific players on the wish list, that's fine. Or if you just want to give positions, um, and you know, you you can be ambitious or realistic. You know, because obviously, uh, for for me with Inter, I, I understand that they're going to be spending constraints. Like I, I, I have to be realistic because they they've spent a lot of money in the last couple of years. Like a lot of clubs around the world, you know, they are losing a lot of revenue due to the pandemic. And uh, you know, the word is that in order to make purchases, they would have to make sales. Selling always sounds really easy when you read the rumors like, oh, you know, uh, Ivan Perisic is wanted by like four clubs and everybody wants Christian Eriksen. Usually the reality is not exactly that. Like usually the reality is, uh, especially in January during a pandemic, you're going to struggle to really get the sum of money for a player that, you know, some of the Italian reports say that you are. I mean, from an inter standpoint, um, I, I think uh, the situation has become so toxic with Christian Eriksen. I think for for the good of everyone, uh, he's got to go in January. Like there's even been some speculation that he might even go on loan somewhere. Uh, one of the uh, one of the scenarios being brought up, which seems like a perfect fit with Pochettino taking over at PSG. Uh, obviously, they had a lot of success together at Spurs. Uh, so maybe one possibility is a loan swap. Uh, or maybe a straight-up swap. You know, I don't know what kind of extra cash or whatever, but probably a loan swap uh, with PSG, with Paredes coming back and uh, and Ericsson going to PSG. So I think that's a possibility. Um, you know, you guys know that I'm a pretty big fan of uh, Rodrigo De Paul, who's been just rotting at Udinese for the last few years. You know, uh, our guy Joe did a great job, you know, debunking some fake quotes about about him listing his potential destinations. They were actually two quotes spliced together out of context. Um, you know, obviously, I would love to have DePaul at the club. I don't really see it in the cards this January. He's got a pretty high price tag. Maybe there's some wiggle room with negotiations. But, you know, Udinese have been asking for 40 million. You know, there's no way Inter are paying that, especially not in January right now. So it would have to be some sort of creative accounting to make that happen. Uh, but I think that's an area of need. You guys know that up front, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this because I get a lot, I get bullied for this, but I love Gervinho. I love Gervinho from Padma, and I really think that he could be the perfect Lukaku backup. Uh, I don't know why this guy gets so much shit. I mean, he's older, but every time I watch him, 70% of the time I watch him, the guy is class. I, I have seen him over the last couple of years terrorize Juve. I've seen him look great against Milan. He gives me nightmares when he goes up against Inter. The guy always scores. You know, I'm not saying start him, 
But I, I think Conte would feel a whole lot better with Gervinho being the Lukaku backup than uh, than Pina Monti, who's just been rotting on the bench the same way Esposito was rotting on the bench last year. So, yeah, I think uh, a fourth striker is really important for Inter. Um, and I think even more important is everyone's talking about midfielders or attacking mids. And obviously, Papu Gomez gets thrown out a lot. I would love to have Papu uh, on Inter. I'm sure a number of clubs in Serie A would love to have Papu Gomez. I think left wing back to me is the most important position to address. I don't really know how they address it, right? Because Emerson Palmieri gets written about a lot, but uh, I think Inter could only really afford to bring him in on loan. And they've he his agent and and Chelsea have said absolutely no loans. It's not going to happen. So I I don't really know what they're going to do with that position. But if I'm talking about addressing positions, I think left wing back and backup Lukaku uh, striker are the most important spots for Inter. Uh, what about you, Jerry, uh, with Lazio? What are you looking to get done? I mean, if you could find a way to sell Mariki even at a loss, I'm sure you jump at that, right? No, I, you know what? As much as I, it depends. If 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 someone offered twenty million for Mariki, I I would consider selling him. But it has to be break even, or else you know what? You stick with him and you you see what you can get out of him. I, I do agree with Joe. I, I'm very reactionary and don't let let one bad game decide his future you need to have a more you need more time to see what he can actually provide with the team and what he's able to do i i was very more upset of how everything transpired in that one match against milan it was just one uh, one thing after another that just he didn't he didn't get anything right but i don't want to get sidetracked here um the two positions who what i really want to see is left wing back and another center back. Um, you can't be relying on Francesco Cherby to play every single minute. And I'm very happy with what Wesley Hoot has been able to do this season. Um, I think that this is one player who I, I've been very, um, I've given him a, a lot of praise and I haven't been critical of, and, and I will not be critical of him because people shouldn't be so hard on this guy. He, he costed very little. He came on loan. Um, has really stepped up and, and provided some really good performances, especially in in Champions League. Yeah, he's not your your caliber top type kind of player you want as a center back, but he's been able to fill the void right now. Um, Luis Felipe, guys made a glass. If he can ever survive a full season, that that would be amazing for Lazio. But we can't be depending on this guy. They they just need another center back that can really can step in and. and has to be a, a now player and for left wing back you got Sena Lulic he's a question mark apparently he's supposed to be returning to training tomorrow um so that's good news hopefully that he doesn't have any setbacks um I'm still confident in Mohamed Fadis I know that it hasn't been the greatest start for him with Lazio but again he came off a very serious knee injury last season um He's injured right now. Hopefully, he's supposed to be back. I believe around mid mid January. And we've been overusing Marisic on the left side. God forbid if Lot City goes down, we have to bring Marisic back to the right. That that causes an issue. They do need another left wing back. Um, yeah, I know people are gonna say, well, this was supposed to be taken care of with Mohamed Fadis. Even if Fadis was healthy, you still need another player because you yeah. can't depend on Lulic anymore. Mm-hmm. So regardless, the, the, 
it's I think what we screwed up two seasons ago, and I think a lot of teams screwed up on who play the three five two was not signing Darko Lazovic, who plays for uh, Hellas Verona. That guy came on a free and would have been the perfect signing for Simon Inzaghi. Do not do not know why we didn't pounce on him. Um, I tweeted out today that Christian Biaggi would be a possibility that he's been linked to Lazio. I'm he's not okay. bad. Hey, I, I know I know a lot of uh, a lot of Interisti gave him shit because um, like he he was on loan at Inter for a full season last year. He was really bad in the first half of the season, and people ignored the fact that he was really good in the second half of the season, especially after the pandemic. The guy was elite. Like he was really good. Like I, I, maybe it's him playing in empty stadiums. He plays at his best, but he was really good in the second half of the year. I got to admit. Well. I believe he does. I was I tweeted out some stats. He has like 1.3 key passes per game and like 1.2 crosses per game. And I think the crosses is what really intrigues me the most. When you got a guy like Sergei Milinkovic Savage and Vidat Mariki and their and their their strength is like aerial duels. This is where Bariagi Bariagi really comes in and helps and and, and really assists to their game. And he's the guy who can send those balls into the box and, and allow them to to play to their style of game. So I, I like Baragi. I've seen him. I think he's been one of the, the one positives with Fiorentina this season. If I had to say that what has been going good for them, I think that he's been a positive sign with Fiorentina. I just like the way he's able to play in the 3-5-2. And, and I think that he would be used much better under Simone Inzaghi personally. Um I don't know. I'm hoping. I, I seen Romelu has been linked to come back to Lazio. Maybe that's a possibility. I know that he hasn't been playing since being with Barasha. Barasha. So I, I don't know. It, it. I'm with Joe. Where Joe has mentioned this to me many times. The January transfer market has two stipulations. One, it's very. It's it costs a lot of money just to get a player. It's overvalue so a lot of the time a lot of players don't get signed in january because it just costs too much and claudio latito has already stated that as well yeah and, and secondly like not too many people not too many players are available right now because a lot of the players a lot of the teams have their needs and wants and they don't want to sacrifice anything especially in the position they're in the table right so it's always harder this time this time around but We'll see what happens. I don't think Lazio's going to do much. They might do one or two signings, but they're known not to do much in January. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, like, one one argument to be made for it being a busy January is that the table is pretty wacky. Like, it, it, seems, like, uh, it seems like, you know, top four, top six, even the Scudetto are, are very much up for grabs this year. And to me, like that should motivate a lot of teams to be active. I think they have to be very creative, like loans, loan swaps, player swaps, because a lot of teams can't like afford uh, with the pandemic to splash down big cash on players. But it's like, you know, even like, you know, I, I certainly consider, you know, Lazio to be, you know, competitive to try to get into Champions League, even though they're their eighth place, but they're only, you know, five points off of fourth place right now. You know, you've got... You know, uh, obviously, you know, I don't expect Juventus to be in sixth place for that long. You know, they're 10 points off the Scudetto right now, but I know they're going to be competitive and I know they're going to be gunning for it. And, you know, Roma's in the mix for Champions League. I don't expect Sassuolo to be too active, but, 
you know, they're, they're up there on the table right now. So I just think that with how crazy the table is, I think a lot of teams might be motivated to, to try and really tweak their squads. But I want to go to Joe with the Napoli perspective. It's been a really weird start for Napoli. There have been, you know, a lot of moving parts. There's been, you know, a lot of COVID-19 cases, injuries, like what Ossiman is going through right now. You know, games where, you know, you guys really didn't capitalize on enough opportunities. You probably should have more points than you have right now. But uh, do you have any expectation for January and what positions need addressing the most? Yeah, I, I have some expectations. I, I think the the biggest priority for us is to try to sell a couple of players. Um, Arkadouj Milik and Fernando Llorente, specifically at striker, two guys that we won't have uh, at the end of the season. I know for sure Milik's contract is up. I, I can't remember if Llorente is if he's up as well or if he has another year. But I think he's the year after. Yeah. Sure. But in either case, so Llorente, maybe we could sell him uh, in the summer, which is probably more likely because I, I honestly expect to see very few moves, uh, despite what you said, Alex, about how competitive Seti is right now. It, I think the financials uh, that all these teams are dealing with is going to make it really tricky. I mean, this past summer was pro- probably one of the least active transfer windows uh, for that reason. But both of those guys, what's crazy is that they're, they each, at least according to Gazzetta's annual salary publication, they both make two and a half million euros uh, a year, which may not seem like a lot for for you, Alex, or, or Daniel, because your teams have higher salaries. But for Jerry's team and our team, they're on the higher end. Those two guys, only six players make more than them on our teams, and, and they're not playing whatsoever. Milik is sitting at home in Poland and... Yorenta has been called up on a few occasions to sit on the bench because of actually he made an appearance, um, but it was really because we've been so depleted at striker. You mentioned Osman being out, Mertens is out. Uh, the good thing for us is I don't I don't think we're desperate to bring in a striker because a lot of those guys are expected to start coming back. Um, this this break came at a good time, and and some of the injuries we've seen have been fairly minor. Um, Lozano even came back in our last game, even though he probably shouldn't have played, but we we're so desperate to try to get something going against Torino. So I think I don't expect to see too many incoming uh, transfers. Hopefully you can sell those guys. The position that we're most in need of is uh, left back specifically and maybe also another right back. Seems like everybody except Milan needs a left back. It's like yeah. they're, they're, they're good with Teo Hernandez, everyone else. Eh, eh. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of guys, but they're all not great options. I mean, Elsie Kusai has missed a lot of time because of COVID, and he was useful because he can play both the left and the right side. But without him, we've relied solely on Giovanni Di Lorenzo. And as good as he is, he's played in every single match. He's played the full 90 in all but one match, including Europa League. And that one match that he didn't play the... Uh, the full 90, he still played 29 minutes. So he, we've seen him struggling a bit lately, but I think it's just he's been playing way too much. Um, and then on the left side, we've used uh, Mario Rui and uh, Fauzi Gulam. Gulam hasn't really gotten back to the form that he had before he injured his knee. And Mario Rui is one of these guys that some days he seems great and other, time, other days he's a huge liability. Um, and some of the names that have been floating around there, you mentioned that, you know, it, it seems like the same guys are kind of being rumored to all of our teams, probably. Yeah. Um, but Edmonton Palmieri is the guy that we're interested in as well. I saw that. Um, and and, 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 and I, I even, I think I saw what, what Juventus interested in. Like, everybody wants yeah, him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
if you yeah. believe sports. And then I've also heard mention of Junior Firpo at, from Barcelona, but just I've just heard the name thrown out there. I don't know if how serious that is. Fair Joe, enough. I saw that, I saw that uh, Napoli is linked to Florian Tovan. If mm-hmm. if he's on a free, so if you guys can steal this guy, I got I've been able to watch a lot of Marseille games. This guy is an the steal of the French league. A mm-hmm. team like Marseille was just right? Yeah, Sorry? he's another winger, isn't he? He's another winger, but I think yeah. I I like him. I think if you can bring him, I really think he's the type of winger you want on your team. He he's very dynamic, explosive, makes good runs. Um, I like the way he plays in, with Marseille. Um. Yeah, I think he's what twenty seven or twenty eight. I want to say, but he's in in the midst now of of being able to help Napoli, and I, I really do think this is a kind of good signing if you're able to get him. I know that you do have Lozano and you have Politano. I don't know if Politano is is just on loan right now, but um, so, well, Politano is alone with obligation to buy, so oh, he's basically yeah. a Napoli player, and that's my reservation about signing someone like Tovin. It's we're a bit stacked on the wing. The, on yeah. the other side, you have Lorenzo Insigne, who pretty much plays every game. So, you know, when we think of where we're in need of of more, it's he's a great player and it would be great to have him, but it's not the top priority. And with financial constraints, I'd probably invest in a left back first. Maybe even, I mean, there's been a lot of talk, especially amongst Napoli Twitter, about the midfield and whether Zielinski is the right guy to be the backup number 10 to Dries Mertens or um, there's also been talks about Fabian uh, potentially going back to Spain he hasn't really worked out so you know again back to the guys that Alex mentioned whether it's Papu Gomez or Rodrigo de Paul what would be great is if we could sell Fabian for somewhere around 50 million euros drop Zielinski back into one of those two uh, midfield positions in the 4-2-3-1 to play with Bakayoko and then bring in a guy like a Papu or, or, or Rodrigo de Paul to play as, as another number 10 because Mertens is getting up to an age, so I don't know how long he can do it for. He's getting He's been getting more and more injuries lately, so that's another area. I, I, I like Toven, but it may not be the top priority. What, what about you, uh, Daniel, with Juventus? What, what are the areas you look at? Well, we have a few, um, but unfortunately, like, you know, mostly all the other teams, it's going to depend on who leaves in January. And we've already seen a lot of struggle trying to sell Kadira for the past, you know, year and a half or whatever. Like along eight years, game. it feels like. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, if he leaves and then, you know, we might have some wiggle room when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, wages and salary. Because he's making, like you said, for you guys, two and a half millions a lot. He's making like six to sit in the, you know, sit at home and do nothing. So it's, it's not pretty. Um, there might be a couple young guys leaving out on loan, maybe just to, to get some money incoming so they can reinvest it. Cause I know we're, they're, they're definitely looking for a secondary uh, striker for behind Maratha. We've been linked to a, apparently to Loriente. I don't know why, but you know, and Malik, Malik and other ones. So I guess we want all the Napoli rejects. I, I don't know. Um, but we could also, you know, we, we've seen our midfield have some struggles, but I think like you said, Alex, most of these larger moves will come in the summer. Um, I do think though, that DePaul has probably a better chance of going to Inter than he does coming to, uh, coming to UV. I feel like Inter is going to work something out with Udinese to try to get Musso and, and DePaul all in one and send, you know, they'll, they'll bound to get some money on Ericsson and, and maybe send Pinamonte on a, you know, with a, with a buyback option or something like that. Cause he's not, like he's playing anyways. So yeah. I think Inter has a little more 
um, wiggle room and some some decent younger prospects than Juve has, which they can use as pieces. So it'll be tough to see what happens. I don't think much is going to happen in January anyways. Something I want to go around the table on, I think we can have some fun with this, although we may have already gotten Jerry's answer uh, with a player he ranted about. But I I got a question, actually, since we're on this topic of like yeah. the of, of players. If you had to choose between these two, um, DePaul or um, Papu Gomez, and, and, and it has to be done, this, tran- this transfer market, who do you choose? I go, I go DePaul just because of the age. Me as well. Um, it's just it's a better investment. Like uh and and it's tough because um I know that uh like Inter, for example, are very much in win now mode. It's why Conte keeps buying senior citizens. But I, I think some investments need to be made. Like you can't just be like you can't be adding only the Vidals and the Kolarovs. Like you've got to be adding some players in their twenties and, and DePaul, uh, if he, he's he's still getting better as a player. Like Papu Gomez has already reached his peak, and he's probably slowly on the way down mm-hmm. at this point. So, yeah, I mean that that may not like if, if you're really ask if you're asking me over the next you know six months which addition would bring you a better chance at a Scudetto. Like right now, the answer is probably Papu Gomez. But I, I still DePaul. just DePaul, DePaul to me is a better investment, and he's also a really good player. But just the investment is so much better. I think DePaul is a now player, too, actually. I think he provides more than Papu Gomez. I think Papu Gomez provides the baggage garbage in, in your locker room. I think DePaul has, needs... He, he's being tied down with a mediocre Undinese side. I think That's that, true. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that if you bring him now to a Napoli into Juventus, especially Juventus, I think Juventus is... Is the prime spot for for DePaul, that kind of creative guy who can really open up the field and 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 give that ball movement that Juventus has been lacking since frick I don't know four or five years now when they had their their heydays with Pirlo, freaking we're going back never mind way before <sighs> the Marquisio days freaking that that midfield I don't know Juventus does everything right they've got a bona fide striker. Winger, um, they did a good center back to lit, which I think that that guy is going to be one of the best defenders in City for seasons to come. Um, they really have done really good things with their team, but how can you successfully fail in getting a midfielder that they have been missing for so many seasons? It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate Juventus, but as a Juventini. Like, uh, sorry, for those Juventinis, they must be praying for a midfielder that can really fix that team up. Because if they ever get a guy like a, I, I, I think a guy like Luis Alberto, I'll, I'll use Latu for for example, because I personally think that Latu has one of the best midfields in City. Uh, oh, I absolutely. Might, and if I had to choose right now, who who would I want to go to Juventus if I was a Juve fan? I would say Luis Alberto. Not Sergei Milinkovic Savage, because Savage is more of a box-to-box player, more defensively. He could be creative. I think Luis Alberto really, when he's missing for Lazio, they really mo- miss that ball movement, that that more of attacking flow kind of game. And I think that's where he would come into Juventus and really would help them and give them that spark and, and can create that drive instead of always having to go from outside the wings. Mm-hmm. They need somebody who can really advance the ball up middle 
and they're missing that. And I think a guy like Luis Alberto would, would really make Juventus that, that contender again, that much more dynamic team. So I, I, that's, that's how I see it. Personally. 100%, Jerry, you're, you're right. Spot on. I just, the thing is with that, with like Alberto and DePaul, the problem is they, so they'd be a similar type of midfielder and they, the thing is they like to play more advanced, not really in the, the middle of the park more as an attacking. So the thing is, you still have Dybala. What are you going to do with him? If he's gone this summer, which I think is a very strong possibility at this point, then maybe you look to bring in DePaul in the summer. That would, you know, kind of a similar replacement who can run at defense, plays right behind the strikers kind of thing. Because I don't think Luis Alberto is going to leave Lazio anyway. But um, DePaul would be great, like you said. And I, I think even someone like a box-to-box midfielder, midfielder like Locatelli or Milinkovic Savage would, would help us a lot as well. It's... It's not just trying to find creative, you know, opportunities in the offensive half. We even struggle, you know, making two foot passes in our own defensive areas. It, like sometimes Rabiot has a great game, and the next game he's, you know, completely invisible. Same with Benton Kerr and and even Ramsey. He has one good game, and then he's injured for four. So I don't know. I think, I think Rabiot's been your best midfielder signing in quite a while. I'll be honest. Like that I know it doesn't say much, though. To be honest with you, that's, that's, that's true, but. He came with the hype and, and, and the promise. And I think having a season off where he didn't play. And yeah. last year, he finally played and got his legs going. And now you're starting to see that promise that people have been waiting for. And especially with the wage bill he comes with. Mm-hmm. His wages are significant. With, with him, though, I think he needs at least one or two good midfielders beside him that can help him get the ball. Because he's, you know, he, he's good in the air because he's got good height. He's, he has a decent mm-hmm. left foot can run at defenses, um, you know, on occasion, but he needs someone that is going to help clean up the mess for him because he's probably not the greatest defensively. Same with, you know, pretty much everyone else in our midfield other than McKinney. McKinney's a good, you know, tough box-to-box midfielder, but he's, then again, whatever he makes for uh, defensively, he kind of lacks technically. So I, I got another question, actually. This one's for Joe now. I get these ideas in my head. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Inspiration. Okay. I I I, I want to ask you, how do you rate Koulibaly's season, and can we see him going out the door like gone this summer, and and Napoli maybe reinvesting that money into other areas? Like, I, I'm I'm one who thinks that Koulibaly has probably been one of the best defenders along with Delit this season. I think that he's been taking too much flack, like. Against like the game against Lazio, I, I I saw a lot of like tweets saying that Koulibaly is not good. He's having a bad season. This is a poor performance against Lazio. I don't think he was poor against Lazio. I think he was probably really good. And as soon as he came out of the game, they were really hurting in the back. And like, I I just want your opinion personally. Yeah, the thing with Koulibaly is that he has set the bar so high for himself that I mean Koulibaly on a bad day is probably the best center back on a lot of teams still. Mm-hmm. But because he's been so great for so long, that's become the new expectation for him. This season, he's been phenomenal. He's been playing almost every match, very few mistakes. I mean, last season was a tough year for him. Uh, we've talked about that previously. He, he missed the, the, the training because of uh, the African Cup of Nations, and then he picked up injuries, and it was it just he was always playing catch-up, so he had a rough year. But he seems to have found his form again. I'll be very interested to see what happens with him in the summer because 
we signed Amir Rahmani on the assumption that we were selling Koulibaly. Um, and, but now he's going to, I think he's turning 30 this year if he hasn't already. Um, that's been the big criticism from, especially from EPL fans. I've gotten into EPL, into it with EPL fans on Twitter about this, where the first thing they jump to is his age. And, and that's why his value should be lower than what we're asking for, which is somewhere in the 60 million euro range or 80 million. It's jumped up and down, but especially with COVID, but I think he's still one of the premier center backs in all of Europe. Um, I think we're happy to keep him if we can't sell him. We're never desperate to sell him financially. We've always taken care of our books pretty well. This will be the first year in a while that we're we're going to go in the red because of COVID. But even then, probably a lot less than most clubs. So we're we're certainly not desperate to sell him. My concern becomes then: what do we do with all these center backs? I think. The odd man out would actually be Maximovic. You probably look to sell him. Um, and then you keep your three with uh, with Koulibaly, Manolas, and Rachmani. And, and the other thing is we our center, center backs were criticized quite a bit last season because Koulibaly and Manolas didn't seem to have a good chemistry together. A lot of people liked the pairing with Maximovic better. But we've seen again this season that Koulibaly and Manolas have played better together. And Gattuso's done a great job of managing Manolas's time where he only plays him in Serie A and he's been using Maximovic as our Europa League center back with Koulibaly playing every match so I think I think he's still one of the best I think we're probably going to keep him the, the older he gets the less likely I think it is that we sell him mm-hmm. so well, last thing I want to do here is go around the table uh since we have an Interista Juventino Napoli fan Lazio supporter uh who's been the most disappointing player on your club this year and and j- just so i can i can give you guys the the example of how you can answer it uh i'll, I'll go first with inter um i, I have a few finalists uh, i'm going to give you the guy i think has been the most disappointing now when i came up with this topic the first name that popped into my head but i'm going to eliminate him from contention because i wasn't expecting much but the first image that popped into my head was the graying hair of kolarov but I'm thinking, like, I can't really call him a disappointment because I wasn't happy about the signing. Like, so, you know, this guy is single-handedly cost Inter points this year. He's so slow and so old. But I wasn't that excited about the signing, so I eliminate him. I think the three finalists for me, most disappointing player of the season so far, I've obviously got to throw Christian Eriksen in the conversation. And regardless of who you blame, right? Because some Interisti put all the blame on Erickson, some put all the blame on Conte for not giving him a chance or the formation. Um, I think there's blame on both sides. I, I don't think Conte gave him enough time to get a rhythm, nor do I think Erickson has maximized his opportunities. The guy plays with the urgency of his team being up 3-0 at all times. So I, I think there's just a lot that has not worked there. But regardless of who is at fault, you know, a year ago, a little, you know, 11 and a half months ago, this guy was you know, signed for 20 million, thinking this was some amazing investment and a world-class player. And he's not been able to stay in the squad. Uh, He's not been able to consistently, you know, uh, dominate or find playing time in Serie A. So I have to say he's been a big disappointment because even after things didn't go great from January on last season, I defended him for a long time. Jerry knows that. I defended Erickson for a long time. And I said, hey, he's still adjusting to a new league, to a new country, and he's going to settle in. He's going to have a great season coming up this season, and it, it never materialized. So I have to put him in there. I've also got to put in the conversation Samir Handanovic, 
because you know he's not long removed from being an absolute world-class goalkeeper and he's showing his age i mean he's in his late 30s i feel bad for joe because the one time that Handanovic played great was against napoli that's 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 the only great game he's had all year i mean outside of that the guy stands still and doesn't move against napoli he was stopping everything joe i mean it was unbelievable yeah that was brutal I watched Inter's last game, uh, was against Hellas Verona, I think, where he he tried to catch the ball and just kind of dropped it right in front of him. And we've seen a lot of that from Handanovic. I, I think this is probably his last year at Inter. And every time, every time, like he, he's had, like uh, he's had a handful of these howlers. This, and every time he screws up he immediately like looks and points to one of his defenders like he's looking for the next guy to blame. It's like, dude, you, you didn't move or you you parried it right to an attacker. Like that's on you, man. But still, like I'm not going to give it to Handanovic only because you know, we we've seen signs of this over the last year that he he's getting older. It's going to happen to any goalkeeper in their late 30s. Well, I'm going to give most disappointing player. I'm going to give it to Lautaro Martinez. Barcelona ruined this kid. Like last year, like around last January, when the rumor started about, oh, Barca's going to pay the release clause and Messi wants to play with them. I haven't seen him string together two good performances back to back since then. I mean, it's usually he'll show up one game, disappear for the next three games. Like it's, it's really, really been frustrating, especially since, um, you know, last season. From September through January, you know, the first uh, four months he spent with Lukaku, unbelievable partnership. They gave him a nickname, Lula. I mean, an unbelievable partnership between the two. And really for the last 11 months, it's been a one-man partnership. It's been the Lukaku show, and once every four or five games, Lautaro Martinez shows up. It's not to say he's not capable of occasionally scoring big goals. You know, he came up big against Hellas Verona. I'm, I'm, I'm happy he did. But show me you can do it two games in a row. Like, I really think that he has been the most disappointing player, and it goes back to last January for him. I'll go uh, I'll go to Jerry. Is it is it Mariki, who you already talked about, or you have somebody else in mind? Most disappointing player for Lazio this year. Um, You know what? I think I'm not going to be critical on Mariki. I, I, like, I, I vouched Daniel Lucci on Twitter that he's right he, he, about his qualities and like not being that complete footballer. Uh, I'm gonna go to Joaquin Correa. I think he's been the biggest disappointment for Lazio this year. Um, he had nine goals last season, and I'm just pulling up his stats actually just right now because I didn't really prepare for this, but um, I was just looking at his stats, and he had around nine goals last year. Uh, yeah. He had, sorry, he had 10 goals in all competition last year. And this season, he only has three goals. And a lot of it has to do that he he's maybe been overused, but he just doesn't look as dynamic as he did last year, making his runs, making that, that movement. Like, against Juventus, he made that brilliant, he beat, like, two defenders right at the end. And, like, hold on. It was one good game all year. One good play he did all year, all game. It was he was invisible, and then the last 10 20 minutes he stepped up and like he went into like turbo mode. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know if if this is on Nzagi a little bit too, overusing Korea and three days rest, playing in every Champions League game. Like, he played against Milan, should never have played, got hurt, came out after a half an hour. 
And then people are calling him out saying, well, oh, Korea sucks and Korea is this. And I just think he's a disappointment because we haven't managed him properly this year and he hasn't been able to play to his full potential. Um, a lot of it had to do with Immobile picking up coronavirus and then Caicedo has a shoulder injury. But even before he became fatigued, he didn't look like the same player that he did last year, like making his runs and scoring when he could. And he's missed a lot of chances this year where he should have scored. Um, he's, I, I feel that he's taken a step back this year compared to last year. Very disappointing. But um, And now he's going to be missing a month because of his injury, which could have been avoided. He did that with the Cherby as well, which could have been avoided. And I know, like, you mentioned this to, to, to Joe. Like, you said, what about if you bench Korea in a Cherby and you bring in a young guy like whoever it may be? Is it worth it? Like, would you be disappointed that you lost? I would be disappointed if we, if we lost. Absolutely. I would be mad. But I think about the long term now. Uh, and in the past, I would be so disappointed with the loss. But then I think... Now look, the loss is greater. Sorry, the outcome of what happened is greater than the loss. Now we got to play three games next week without Korea, and we better hope that Mariki can step up. And it's just been disappointment. And I think Fadis has been a, a bit of a disappointment, but in the time that he's played, he, he looks really sluggish on the left side. His crosses have been very poor. Tracking back to defend has looked kind of off. Um, his whole overall game has been off, but in, in part that's because he came, he arrived late, didn't have uh, preseason training, uh, still acquainted, trying to get adjusted to his uh, to his teammates. But I, I would have expected a little bit more from Fadis personally, knowing how to play in the three five two and, and yeah. coming from Serie A with Spal, I would expect a, a little bit more from him. But I'm hoping that these players can uh, turn it around. But it is what it is. <laughs> Let me go. Uh, time to shine. Yeah, I want to go to. Uh, <laughs> I want to go to Lucci next on this one. Uh, do, do you have a most disappointing player at Juventus? I got a few, and then I guess uh, I'll, top three would be Bonucci yeah. for sure. Um, I don't know if you can c- include Kadira in there, even though he hasn't played, but um, I'll allow it. Yeah, Rodrigo Bentancur has also been, uh, you know, a shell of himself from last year under Sarri. I think, um, you know, they used the excuse of him playing too much last year and he sat out for the first few games to try to regain his, you know, his uh, strength and, and, uh, you know, skills from last year. But he hasn't looked himself. Um, Those two and Kadira for sure. Even uh, I think uh, Chesney has looked... You know, he's looked good. He's made some great saves in certain games. But then, you know, he let in three. I, although the whole team performance was bad against Fiorentina, he let in three. Um, and I, you just can notice a difference between when he plays and when Buffon plays. Come to, you know, whether that comes from experience or the way Buffon just commands his back line compared to, to Tech. Um, yeah, those would be my my top uh, my top three, but I think Bonucci takes the cake because he's looked, you know, he had that that big winner against Torino. That was great. Of course, we needed those points, but every other game, he's kind of looked off. Fiorentina, he looked off. Uh, I don't know if he's carrying an injury or he's just playing too much, which is possible as we have had other injuries, but um, yeah, I think for me, he's, he's probably been the most disappointing. Um, I was going to ask you, Alex, because I'm kind of curious, who do you think Inter's MVP 
would be. I, Lazio and, and Napoli, I think, are pretty straightforward for me. But Inter, I was kind of wasn't so sure. It'd be between two players, in, in my opinion. Well, yeah, probably you're probably thinking between Lukaku and Barella. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I go Lukaku. Um, really, you know, he's he, he's he's most uh, he's most consistently stepped up. Wow, I'm getting the big head shake from J- you, no. Jerry. You don't think Lukaku's been the MVP? I kind of agree with no. Jerry, to be honest. No, you think Barella? Yeah, I, I think that Lukaku was MVP last year. I think Barella yeah, is sure. MVP this year. I think that he's really like he's. I'm gonna be honest. He's taking the next step, Alex. To be honest, yeah, you know, no, it's, it's it's true, and and they're like. It's no question that the debate is between the two guys. Like, there's yeah. no question about it. I just, I don't know. I just think consistently there's been more uh, from Lukaku because I, I can even remember last season, you know, and, and keeping in mind, like, Inter haven't played Juventus yet. That's going to be, you know, a really big game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they haven't played Roma yet. And obviously, I know Roma's not necessarily a powerhouse, but Inter always struggle to an extent against Roma they always draw and I think that's a really important game that they need to win uh so they haven't played like every big game yet in the first half of the fixtures but like last year um I really thought Lukaku disappeared in some of the bigger games where this year I think he's been quite good uh in most every game he's played in um you know even when he's not scoring the hold-up play has been good the leadership has been there um, I'm not listen. If you guys want to go, but Ella, I'm not going to argue with it. Like he's provided a handful of sparks. I just think Lukaku. It's been a little, little bit more consistent. That's all. I, I'd probably go with Alex on this one, and and the reason I'd I'd say Lukaku is because if you if Inter have have really struggled to get scoring from anyone other than Lukaku. I mean, Hakim lately has been starting to score, but I feel like if you were to remove both of those guys from the team or one at a time, I feel like there'd be a bigger loss if you took Lukaku out just because of the scoring. I know that's point. involved in mm-hmm. so many, in creating so many goals. But for me, I, I fail to see who would really step up to score in Lukaku's place. I'll end it here. You know that Barella is your MVP when you have to play him with one leg, okay? that That's what you know. <laughs> that's a good point. I'll he's tough as nails, though. I mean, he, you he, are yeah. desperate to start him when he's not fit to play and you have to throw him in and he still plays at 90% and carries everyone and like his his motivation still able to run with one leg and like just his challenge yeah, is, that, is that just because of Quanta being stubborn because yeah. Sensi's looked pretty good I know you're always oh, yeah, concerned right. about him getting hurt but Sensi you know he's played I think three matches in a row he played a full half in the last one I think he could start filling some of that time for Barella mm-hmm. But he's glass. Yeah, and, and the guy's gonna get hurt in three games. Don't worry. He made a glass that guy. That's, that's exactly the problem. The problem. That, that's totally the problem because, like, um, when when Inter actually had six consecutive healthy games from Sensi to start the year, because I think that's what it was. Inter were six and zero, and then they lost to Juventus last year. And Sensi was healthy for all six of those first six, and he was he was tremendous. Like he was creative. Mm-hmm. You know, he, like, he, he looked yeah. like one of the best players in Serie A for those first six games. And we haven't got we haven't had him healthy for like three straight games since. I, I think, uh, Joe, Joe, have you done your your most disappointing player yet? Did we get yours from Napoli? Uh, yeah. So I can think of three guys. I'm really only really disappointed in one. Uh, one of them is I mentioned Di Lorenzo. The reason is because he's playing so much, but he has been the reason for a lot of goals we've conceded this year he's 
because he's tired, I think both physically and mentally, he's he's had made a few plays where he's made runs and gotten caught. And, and part of that is on our midfield for not covering properly. And that's a big weakness on this team when we get the reason why we suck at defending the counterattack is because we have some midfielders that aren't great defenders. So he's one, but I, I don't blame him too much. I think he's still one of the best uh, right backs in the league. Um, the second one that I personally am not disappointed, but a lot of Napoli fans have been, is Andrea Petania. Um, he's been taking a lot of heat with you know Napoli Twitter. And, and for me, and this is why I, I defend Mariki, because I, I consider it similar to Petania, where you have a player that's, that's come into a new team. He's playing a new role where he went from being a regular starter to now being a substitute. And he, he's learning a new system. So he hasn't had that much time to play, mostly coming off the bench. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I think he just needs more time. And I think that's why we need to reserve our judgments on Mariki as well. Give him a full year. If he still hasn't done much, then fine. Didn't work out. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people wrote off Chucky Lozano last year. And he's been one of our best players this year. So, you know, sometimes guys need to need a bit more time to get used to the system. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the case with Patania. And the other thing with Patania is that he was sort of meant to be the guy that you bring in off the bench, even though we signed him before we signed Osiman. The way it turned out was that he became the guy that he's a big body that can win balls in the air. So maybe you can bring him off the bench when things aren't going so well. You need a, a different look in your attack. And he's very different than Mertens. He's very different than Osiman. So you kind of mix it up. But he's been thrown into the starter role the last couple of games because Mertens and Osiman both got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't hasn't gone that well. But a lot of that is also because we're not using him to the best of his abilities. When we have guys that are playing low crosses into Patania, well, what do you expect? And maybe they're used to playing low crosses because we normally have a very short front line. But you know, we if we're not going to use him properly, then he's not going to have much success. The one guy that I've been most disappointed with, and I think most would agree, is Fabian Ruiz. Yeah. This is a guy that that we brought in that was expected to be the next best midfielder in the league. Um, it just hasn't worked out for him. I think if we sold him this summer, we'll still make a decent return on him. Um, but there were at one point his value was up to you know 80 plus million euros. Um, I think he's struggling with the 4-2-3-1. He's I wish we'd have it. We'd try him out in the number ten spot because where he struggles the most is in defending, um, and and when we play him in a bit of a deeper midfield role, he's the guy that has to come back to retrieve the ball from the defense and, and carry it forward and try to play more as a box box midfielder, which he probably should be. But in this system, it, it's really not working out for him. Um, he it seems like he wants to go back to Spain. I could see him doing really well for a Spanish club. I mentioned to you guys earlier for like a Real Madrid. He's been linked to Atletico Madrid, but I think in Spain he could have a lot of success. Um, it's just not working out in Napoli, so I'd, I'd have Fabiano as my biggest disappointment. No Mario Rui on your list? Ooh. Well, I mean, I had the highest expectations for him in the first place. I Fair. Know. So it's yeah. hard to be too disappointed with a guy that you don't think is that great. <laughs> That's what I said about Kolarov. I thought the guy me, sucked and he is sucking. Mario Rui and, and Quadrado should shake hands. I, I find they're very, <laughs> very similar. One good cross and gets an assist, and then they'll do nothing for three yeah. matches. But. Well, yeah, exactly. Mario Rui has his moments. I, I really like his chemistry with Lorenzo Insigne on the left wing. Um when Insignia, Insignia cuts into his right foot and Rui overlaps, and that works out really well, but it only works if you can play in a decent cross. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems with this team is we are terrible at crossing the ball. So 
that kind of nullifies the overlap in the first place. Yeah. You really well, I want to close out uh, the episode on that note, unless J- Jerry, you got anything? You really hate Quadrado, eh? Fuck. I don't. I wouldn't say. Well, okay, hate's a bit of a strong word. I just think that he's over, he's especially this year. Fans are really hyping him up to be something that he's really not. Well, he's, and you know a, what? I can understand what Lucci's saying. I call it the Matias Vecino effect because, like, every now and then, Quadrado Vecino are going to show up and make a big play, big yeah. cross, an important goal, and then it gets so overhyped, and then these yes. guys are so inconsistent. So it just. A few highlights get you so overhyped. That's what I mean. He's he's yeah, big deal. He's seven, eight assists, whatever. But if you watch the rest of the match, he's turned the ball over ten times. He's yep. you know get, gotten a yellow card. He's like it's it's things like that. But you can have one great moment, but then the you know the other eighty nine minutes, you're a disaster. So like, does it, it? You're not really doing much for your team at that point. That's that's all. Was he uh, any- uh, like the reason why Latu came back and won, or sorry, tied against uh, Juventus. He was one, yeah, he was one of the guys. Yeah. Def- that was his yeah. right flank, and he was right. completely invisible when it came to defending. So <laughs> another another reason, yeah. I want to see if anybody has anything to plug before we close it out. Uh, da- Daniel Lucci, if you're working on any stories and uh, you want to let the people know your social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, on Twitter you can find me at uh, Daniele Lucci or Daniel Lucci, L-U-C-C-I. Um, I should have a couple, a few articles coming out within the next week or so. Uh, I got a Syria roundup from you know the first half of the season, what the top teams are, you know what they've been like, what they're looking to do in January. If you know we just if any team decides to do anything, uh, I got a couple Juventus pieces that are a little more sentimental, like uh, Morata returning and and one of my favorites in Chiesa. So. You know, I know a you lot of people. Guy. I thought a lot of a lot of people have, uh, I guess, a, a mixed review on cases so far, but um, I like him and I think he's done a, a pretty good job from what he's uh, been told to do coming in uh, late in uh, the transfer market. So, what about you, Joe? Joe, of course, host of uh, the Forza Napoli pod. Anything to promote? Yeah, I um, I've got a piece coming out also on World Football Index on uh, Rodrigo De Paul, so that should come out in the next couple of days. Um, I've been I've been toying with the idea of uh, how Vidal Mariki could be the next Chiro Immobile. I may I may write about that. <laughs> um, no, I'll leave that one. I'll leave that one for Jerry to write. But uh, and then I should be recording a, an episode of Fortunopoli uh, probably in the next day or two. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti five and the the podcast at Fortunopoli Pod. And thanks for having me. Of course, Jerry. Anything you're working on writing? Uh, I was writing a Sinisa, Sinisa Mahalovic piece, Lazio legend, and his time with Lazio, and like basically how uh, his coach Sven Goran Eriksson basically got the best out of him. And I also started wrote a piece on Milan and how they're starting to turn the corner, and how Stefano Pioli has really brought them back to their winning ways. And the latest one after that I started was why Andrea Pereira needs to be used more in the absence of Luis Alberto and how he can really help Luis Alberto's season down the latter parts of this of this year. So uh, that's all I have been working on this past week. Jerry, quick question. So yeah. you think now with Correa out for the next month or so, do you think Correa can play in that similar position, like behind Immobile? Yes, I, I think he can, but the problem is that because you got Luis Alberto and Pereira on the field together, it kind of like conflicts the two when they're playing, where 
I think we've seen this. I, I forgot which game was this year, but he looked kind of confused because he's kind of playing in Luis Alberto's role and he's not really comfortable playing as uh, as a false nine or a number nine up top with Immobilis. So I'm curious to see if that can work out, if they try it again. Um, yeah. I think you have to give more playing time now to Vidat. You, you you got to give it to Vidat. You got three strikers still. I think there's no emergency to use Pereira yet. I think that if you do that, it can really hinder Vidat Mariki's confidence even further. Mm-hmm. That can really hurt him as a player. Because then you're saying, okay, well, you got this guy you brought in. He's on the bench. Why are you bringing Pereira on? Well, you could say the same thing for Pereira, though. They brought him in as well at the same time, no? Yeah. No, you're right. But I think that the point of Pereira, and he hasn't been used right, was to alleviate and, and to diminish... Luis Alberto's minutes this year. And a lot okay. of people are saying, well, Alberto doesn't look good this year. He hasn't looked like the same player last year. And I hate the stupidest, uh, stupid assists. Since when do we judge players because they didn't get 10 assists this year? Like, it doesn't matter if he didn't get 10 assists. The fact that players haven't been scoring their chances can allude to why he hasn't had the assists. I think Luis Alberto, when he gets the proper rest, he is a more effective player which is why we saw him play better against uh, Benevento, against uh, Napoli, and against uh, Milan, because I think that prior to that, he took a break and, and sat the game. So, like, when, when Alberto gets a, a game off and goes three straight games afterwards, he looks more effective. And that's where Pereira has to come in and needs to be trusted more. Yeah. And, and you know what? Vice versa, what, what you're saying, you use him as a midfielder and you use him as a striker. Yeah, and I wasn't really sure exactly what his preferred position is, to be honest with you. So I would say his preferred f- position should be as an attacking midfielder. That's okay. what he's more known of. Um, I don't see why he can't be a false nine as well. He's he's done that in, in his career. Um, I think you got a versatile player here who should be able to alleviate the time off Alberto or off, say, an Alberto, uh, a Immobile or Caicedo or... Or of that Mariki, where it allows players to rest. You get proper rotation. Um, I think the biggest issue is that he's not getting enough playing time, Pereira. Yeah. And, and and the small sample size that I've seen compared to Vidat, I've seen a player who can actually make a difference this season for Lazio and, and is not getting enough chances to, to do more for this team. So, And that's not to shit on Mariki in any... It's just the comparison is that Mariki's been given so many chances and has done shit. <laughs> and Andrea Pereira has been given little time and has done much more. And I don't see why he shouldn't be given more time to play to prove himself and to help his team just like to, to avoid injury, which could have been done earlier and avoid injuries. Correa yeah. could be more healthier. I would have started Pereira up top against Milan instead of Correa if you don't want to go with Mariki to start. Because mm-hmm. I think that would have been an option. And, and I know I'm contradicting myself right now because Luis Alberto started the game. But in a situation like that, you, you don't have a choice. Avoid Correa getting hurt. Start Pereira. You brought him over from Manchester United. He was hyped. Came with a hefty price tag if you were to pick his option up. So why not use him? You, and the last thing I'll say is people saying that Lacho didn't do enough in the transfer market. I remember Inzaghi quote this. I'm happy with what management did for me. They got the players I wanted. I have the guys now. So use them. 
Mm-hmm. Use the players. Why are you using Korea every game? Why are you using Mobley every game? Why are you using Acherby every game? You stated that management did what they had to to help you. Use it. It, it blows my mind when he hears. That's what kind of bothers me because you contradict yourself then. Because now all of a sudden you're saying in the transfer market, well, they need to get me two more players because they don't. I don't have the guys. They're there. It's how you manage and how you use them. And if you can't get them, if you can't figure it out, then there's something wrong. So I don't know. But that's about it. That's what I've been working on. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Seems like a lot. All right. So uh, I, I have been working on uh, some digital stuff. You can check me out onsideradio.com. A lot of content I do in addition to this wonderful pod. Uh, you can listen to our local shows live, uh, South Florida-based, but I think even people outside the area can find some interest in it. OnSideRadio.com or the MyTuner radio app. And check out podcasts, Man of the Match with Alex Dono. Podcasts are all over the place. Check out the podcast for this show, of course. You can get us uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you download your pods. Calcho Connection Podcast. Alex, are you yeah. going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys on your pod? How about yeah. the Cowboys yesterday, eh? In that shit NFC East. They got something done. I will be talking about that. I can guarantee talking Cowboys. So, yeah, onsideradio.com is where you find me. I do uh, 15 hours of live pro- programming a week for onsideradio.com. We will talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcho Connection Podcast. Ciao.